Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love, the society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline, and Daddy Dear, you're still number one. And he wants to be the one who walks in the sun. It's Dom McGuinness. <laughs> Hi, Caroline. Hello. Generally, there's an opportunity with these um, intros to do real deep dives, but because we're talking about a three-minute pump song, mm-hmm. there wasn't much of an opportunity to be clever with it. Right. So, why are we talking about this? Um, well, I think both of us have, uh, have have discussed in the past the kind of the strange and mysterious power that this song specifically has mm. for something that is kind of seen as a bit of a sort of kitsch time capsule. Yeah. And it's definitely sort of, it's it's kind of a mainstay on cheese playlists and things like that. Uh, I've always posited that it's actually a, a work of, uh, of quite intense and elemental <laughs> power. Um, and... This seemed like a, a great forum to, to <laughs> delve into that and uh, and get all kind of highfalutin about yeah. something that's seemingly uh, <laughs> seemingly not not worthy, but hopefully we I can mean, we can make the argument that it is. This is like I think this is the the summit really. This is or rather the peak of the of the mountain I've been wishing to climb with this podcast since the beginning. Like I remember when I um when we, when it was just a books podcast, you came on and you did a great. Uh, one about Daisy Jones and the Six, which considering you didn't really like that book at all, I thought mm. it was a great hour of content. And um, then, but once I, I remember I was explaining to you, um, I think possibly over text, that I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm going to rejig the podcast so it's about all great works of female art or sort of female-leaning art that like um, maybe gets dismissed. And the first thing that you said back was, you mean like girls just want to have fun? And I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> and like nobody has gotten it as instantly as you got it in that moment because like that thing of like, yeah, girls want to have fun. It's like in the, it's like the background of all of our lives. You know, you're never, it's like in London, you're never more than six inches from a rat. Like <laughs> you're never more than two meters away from a pub that's playing it or, uh, or like a radio or, or something that's using it in a, in a TV show or a film, whether it's ironically or sincerely. It's just in the wallpaper of our world. Mm, absolutely. And I think it kind of, it does exactly what you're saying in terms of encapsulating the concept of sentimental garbage. Because if you just look at the sentiment itself, yeah, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> it seems like it would be, you'd be hard pressed to conjure up. A more kind of shallow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what do you want? Well, just have fun, you know. <laughs> but then, if you start to kind of, if you luxuriate in in it a little bit, you start to ask the big questions, like, well, what do you mean by fun? <laughs> what do you mean by wanna? <laughs> and <laughs> what, what do you mean by girls? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, yes, and so these are the, these are I think the these are ri- these these are pr- rich topics for conversation and dissection. You know, when I'm on a dance floor and I hear the song, I don't really want to dance, but I do just sort of want to wrap my arms around myself and sort of squeeze. And there's something, what is it? Why is it like, it's like the old Lang Syne of pop music in that it kind of creeps up on you and you're just like, wow, now I feel something. I don't know why. The the central tenant of a great pop song is exactly that. The fact that it's kind of something fundamental, a fundamental and universal truth wrapped up in kind of, glitter and sparkles and things like that it, it the, the it's kind of like a like a little sugar to sweeten the pill mm-hmm. uh but but if the pill is there those are the things the, the, those are the sort of the, the 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 artifacts of pop culture that, that really last in fact i think maybe that is the only th- the, the 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 only way that they last and they don't just become content that gets mm-hmm. things is like if they are created with an authentic core honestly yeah. which is which which is not which is not a given when you're working in what is essentially commercial art, because mm-hmm. there's not necessarily a need uh, to have a sort of a, a disco, a, a disco dance floor filler, have a kind of innate human uh, human resonance beyond that that those kind of three minutes. That that's so interesting because we did a episode on Spice World 
the other day with um, Lauren Mayberry, who's the lead singer of Churches, and she talked about how you know the Spice Girls don't often get credit for their their co-writing on those songs or whatever. I think we often, when we see particularly female pop artists as a co-writing credit on their own on their own music, we assume like, oh, you were probably in a room with a way smarter guy and had some <laughs> input. That's definitely the misogynist sort of take on it. But like. She's like, if you look at those songs and those lyrics, they're they're obviously not pop songs written for young women by forty year old men. It's obviously the language women use when they talk to each other, and that's why they're so good and why they last because mm-hmm. you can feel the authenticity in it and the camaraderie and the yeah, especially in that in that kind of Spice Girls thing and the way that they all sort of play off each other, right? It's yeah. like it's clearly them. It's right. Like yeah, there's an archetype and it's heightened, but it's clearly them. We're here for them, you yeah, know. Yeah, at a sort of baseline level. The song uh, introduces us to a young woman who uh, is at a bit of a crossroads in her life and mm-hmm. she's kind of, um, she's being sort of pulled apart by a kind of triumvirate of, uh, of, of forces. On one hand, it's um, it's the, the love of her family. Mm-hmm. And the second is the responsibilities uh, of a sort of burgeoning adult mm-hmm. in the world, whether that be work or, you know, uh, study or whatever. And third is um, is her, her, her innate, feeling uh, her innate desire uh, for the titular fun <laughs> um what what it kind of underlines is the importance of fun because what uh-huh. it what is fun right it's right. like kind of it's like weaponized peace of mind you know it's like you can't what <laughs> it's like well so life isn't fun okay generally right yeah so like fun isn't like a, a state that you can live in <laughs> Okay, you live in the state of sort of trudging through the day, uh-huh. you know, or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, trying to get by, trying to sort of juggle all these different things. And then occasionally, and yeah. you, you have to open yourself up to ha- let fun in. Mm-hmm. So fun is like when fun is like a kind of moment of serendipity when the cla- when the clouds part and the sun comes up and then you can walk in it. Okay. And so this pursuit of fun, I think this is the fundament this is the fundamental thing. This is why it bears repeating about 40 times throughout throughout the throughout the 3 minute song. Girls just want to have fun. And not only is there nothing wrong with that, but it's actually kind of the central pursuit uh of 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 humanity. Yeah. You know what I've never thought about what fun is until right now because it's a word you know so young, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all about what your life is about when you're a child. Mm-hmm. And then slowly that ration of fun, which mm-hmm. used to be your whole life and your whole pursuit, gets whittled down to a thing that happens uh, when you've done other things first. Like you have to pay for your fun with work and, and such. And uh, then you get to have your piece of fun. Mm-hmm. And then... You are so brain damaged from the amount of not fun you've been having that you, it becomes impossible for you to have fun. Exactly. It's like the id. You know, it's right. the truest expression of who we are. The rest of the stuff... And people want to tell you not to have fun because, it, it, because it's of no benefit to the sort of the... It's, no, it's of no benefit to capitalism mm-hmm. other than, you know, you're supposed to work and grind and things like that. You know, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily help other people. It, it's, it's, not, it's not sort of... Uh, People can't really gain off your fun because it's something that happens entirely within your own body, mm-hmm. and that's why I think people uh, people want to kind of suppress it, put it down because it's, there's nothing in it for them. Yeah, this is like um, this is uh, you know, sex is the most anti-capitalist thing you can do, right? Because yeah. it's sex is fun. Sex and sex is famously very fun. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about like all of the bits around this song and the experience of listening to it. Mm-hmm. And like, first of all, it's like, because this is, this came out in 1983. It's Cindy Lauper's first single off of, um, I think the sort of history of, of Cindy is that she was a front woman in a cover band called Blue Angel. Uh, and then she was scouted in a bar. And then uh, her being discovered resulted in her recording an album that is all covers called She's So Unusual, which is, a, I, I think is, as an album title, great. But it's like, she's kind of launched as like a great reinterpreter of songs like she does she covers a prince song on the album like and and this original song was actually performed and written by a man whose name i can't remember do it's you have it written down robert hazard 
The sort of context of his original single was that like his parents keep telling him to have to get married but and like his dad ringing up in the middle of the night being like son why aren't you married yet or whatever and his kind of excuse or out being like I don't know like the girls they just want to have fun they don't want to date me I'm a, I'm a nerd like <laughs> leave me alone I'm happy they're happy yeah and I sort and like but also there's this um sort of dual reading of it of like is it like I'm happy they're happy leave me alone mom the the, the girls they're having their fun mm-hmm. or is it like the girls are dumb <laughs> Well, you know that's interesting because when I listened to it and I didn't listen to it much because obviously there are endless covers of uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun but every time I hear one I'm just mm-hmm. like no you've done it wrong yeah yeah. yeah. so um, so so my reading of it that was it was that it was kind of just a song about treating your girl right and showing her a good time right right which is just like eh, girls want to have fun so <laughs> don't take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world because mm-hmm. all my girls they, they're going to walk in the sun <laughs> Which is nice. I mean, it's not. It's not what it became. Yeah. Which obviously, but um, but it's uh, but it's but it's decent. I find it. Yeah. So I found it really interesting, kind of discovering that that uh, that that original, mm-hmm. because it's like, not much has changed in mm-hmm. the Cindy Lauper one, but the things that are changed are absolutely fundamental and seismic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stuff like, uh, the mum and dad are swapped, which yeah. just kind of makes sense, right? So it's uh. Mummy dear is uh you're still number one is, is still number one yeah uh, dad is the fortunate one so it's a generational thing going right. on there it's like yeah yeah you're the fortunate one but I'm not so so this is it like the, there are so few lyrics in this song really that aren't the title of a song which mm-hmm. is what what's the title of the song again um, I believe it's <laughs> one second let me check my notes here. It's girls just want to have fun, Caroline. <laughs> girls just want to have fun. But the lyrics that we do get are so unusual. And I do wonder if it's like this is part of why it has this oddly emotional effect because it, it is so kind of obtuse of like... Okay, so let's go. Let's just go through it verse by verse, right? Okay, so there's stuff that's uh, that's quite clear there and there's stuff that's not so obvious. Okay. So, come home in the morning light. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my mother says, when are you going to live your life right? Yeah, all, all very self-evident there. All, uh, but what we've established there is a kind of ticking clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's Because I think it's very important to note that, uh, that there's an element of melancholy, and I think we'll go into this deeper. The idea that girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. The reason she has to say that, let's say, 60, 70, 80 times, yeah. uh, <laughs> is because there are forces, not only are there forces trying uh, tr- again, working against girls having fun, mm-hmm. but also there is a general understanding, I think, that girls can't have fun forever. Those forces are, you can't hold mm-hmm. back the tide forever. Mm-hmm. And we establish in the very opening line this, uh, this time scale, this ticking clock, when... We know it's got. When are you going to live your life right? It's going to have to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of kind of suspense, or uh, or at least a kind of um, the stakes are set. I think with that opening line. Mm-hmm. When you're listening to this as a guy, mm-hmm. are you like thinking about why won't they just let the girls have fun? Are you like deeply? Is your heart in that? Um, n- no. When I listen to. When I when when I sort of engage with any work of art, for, so the first thing is just my kind of solipsistic nature is I put myself into the mm-hmm. every song ever written is about me. Yeah, that's what songs are for. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And so, and sometimes there's stuff that hits you and it's like shit. That is out of my life. Like you know, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes there a, a level of abstraction is required. Just for instance, girls just want to have fun. Well, it's like I do want just want to have fun, but uh, I'm not a girl, so I'm going to mm-hmm. have to abstract that at least one level but i generally think at least for me the most interesting way to engage with any work of art is at sort of the greatest level of abstraction possible in other words to to be like to search for that universal truth that is that is just being to which the specifics of the work of art are just the signifiers of so i think what i'm responding to as a guy is the general feeling of 
wanting to walk into the sun. What wanting to walk in the sun really <laughs> is what it is, and the and, and the power in that and. The idea of wanting, I want to be the one to walk in the sun, suggests that I'm not currently walking the sun and I can't and there are things that are holding me back but I can almost taste it and I can reach yeah. out and I know what it's going to feel like. And when she says walk in the sun, she doesn't say, she doesn't say, you know, dance in the spotlight, skip down the street or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's, she wants to be, she wants to stand in the warmth of the divine light of creation, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> You know, this, this, these, these are the stakes that she's saying. It's like, and that's something that's something that's very at one point very grand, but also open to everyone on earth. Mm. You know, you don't have to just be a girl who wants so damn much to have fun. <laughs> yeah, you you can be. No, I I totally get that, and that's generally the point where if I hear the song in a public place, it stops being that sort of like corny, cheesy pop hit that it's been in in the wallpaper of my life my entire life. And when she hits that. I want to be the one to walk in the sun. And it's like, it's almost an emo delivery, right? It's like really peaks the mic. You know, like, Yeah. So I was listening to that, obviously, over and over today, <laughs> as I have sort of uh, on a lot in a lot of days uh, throughout the, my, uh, my, my 32 years. Um, but it's actually like the way she holds on the... It's like yeah. it's 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 such an impassioned delivery. It's like walk in the sun. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and then the release of sun. It's like a real uh, Yeah, it fe- it really feels like that and that's where like the kind of the longing and the odd melancholy of the song kind of takes over and I think it has so much to do with like her just she's an incredible vocalist and there's something about because she's like a technically fantastic singer, and mm. I usually am left cold by technically fantastic yeah, singers. Me too. Me too. Like you and I, we love like Bright Eyes and like mm-hmm. the Mountain Goats and like people who are just willing to throw their entire body into something, you know, for, to just get their message across because they need to tell you. And I think also it's it's easier to feel the you know quote unquote realness or authenticity in something that isn't technically good. Yes. Yeah. When someone's really throwing their their body and their lungs into it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they shouldn't even be doing this, but they just have to. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that yeah. that it gets me every time. And it's why, like, I have a great respect for like a Mariah Carey for like the you know what her instrument can do. But it it, it leaves me emotionally cold because mm-hmm. the practicedness of it or the the refinement of it is not what I go to music for mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. And but then you got Cindy Lauper, who is this you know technically great vocalist but there's also something in the way she delivers all of her all of her songs and I mean it's for you know everything else she's put out as well it's a sincerity and it's a desperateness and it's like uh, somebody who's who really does feel like they've been locked up you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like and that's and also the other line that gets me is the you know some some men want to take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world like she does feel like somebody who's both been hidden and also never told they were beautiful Mm-hmm. You know, and it just fires me up. <laughs> <laughs> it really does, and it's that sense of um, it's it's always those two. So it's, it's so that line that you just quoted comes directly before mm-hmm. the the walk the walk in the sun line. You know, you always talk when you talk about songs that you love. You always talk about the moment that it clicks. Yeah, and that's I think probably for everyone who likes this song, that's the moment that it clicks, and it's that it is the burst of sunlight. It's the pure. The burst of pure ecstasy, yeah, that comes from that, and it's um, and yeah, I think it's like the the most powerful moment. <laughs> I well, I would say it's the most powerful moment in pop music, <laughs> and and when when I say you know, sort of the most powerful moment in pop music, that's not really like a kind of um, what's the word to say something like the 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 best. Of some, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. to denigrate it, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, it or pop music. It's not to denigrate it because I think you know. The thing that makes pop music great is that it's popular, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like like well done, thanks Einstein. But um, but but what is cult? But like that that kind of defines what cult what, what culture is, right? It's a common language, and so the more you can make something transcendent, accessible. So mm-hmm. I would say like a great song. Like, girls just want to have fun. You know, there's like 200 songs like Girls Who Just Want to Have Fun in existence that everyone knows and everyone likes and everyone can can stand on as common ground in some level. Uh, and that's what makes those songs absolutely like gold-plated, diamond-hit, like, like mm-hmm. standards. 
And my feeling is like, if you can make transcendence accessible in the same way that people feel about, you know, a symphony, like a Rachmaninoff or something like that, mm. but you can make it accessible to anyone who hears it, not just someone who's, you know, had a certain level of education or a certain level of you know, erudition, then I think that's more powerful and that's better. Yeah. What I'm kind of saying is Cindy Lauper, greater than Rachmaninoff. Um, I think the more, it, it, as long as the, uh, uh, as long as the, 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 the core of that, that kind of universal transcendence is true, then the more accessible it is and the more people it can reach, the more powerful it becomes. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I feel like that's kind of like the great, the great human project, you know, is art and culture. And it exists to kind of like reconcile, you know, you know, you know, reconcile the thing, the, the the things that because we've been blessed, cursed with consciousness, yeah. absolutely, absolutely churn churn us up all the time in a way that other animals and other and other creatures that we share the earth with just just don't have. That's why we've created art mm. is to it's to just try. It's to it's a bomb. It's a you know, it's to try and heal us. It is. It is. And this thing of like um. Uh, I was reading something about sort of uh, funded arts programs in the US and how there's so few of them and there's so, there's so few of them everywhere but uh, about like you know the the way it was phrased was not like whether we should teach inner city children the oboe the question was um, what the like if you want to talk about the importance of arts and culture mm-hmm. think of a world without it and do you want to live anymore mm-hmm. like the answer is no <laughs> like yeah, yeah. no i just i can't get by on love alone i can't just have <laughs> i can't just have friends i can't just have a partner i can't just be working towards having a family one day mm-hmm. i need to have things that soothe me and help me and help me understand things and help me understand that like that everybody here is looking for the same transcendence and you can boil down that quest for like human transcendence in the line I want to be the one to walk in the sun <laughs> like that is such a great comfort to me <laughs> yeah yeah I completely agree I feel like art is the and like the appreciation of art because I mean you are a working professional artist I am thank you not quite that but um it's the animating element in my life, the appreciation of art. That is really, I mean, you know, I've got a girlfriend I like very much. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and a nice family. Um, yeah. And this lovely cat. But still, the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm getting me up in the morning is, oh, what, what can I read today? What can I hear today? What can I see today that's going to make me go, I'm walking in the sun. <laughs> I'm walking in the sun. Yeah. And like, I, I do think like part of the... Um, Part of the thing where, where where snobbery comes from, because what I like about you is that you are a snob, mm. but you have your entire, your own set of credentials that does not touch off of, I don't feel like a kind of a common consensus, really. Like you love girls just want to have fun as much as you love the Godfather. And yes. I think that's, that's an important quality in a friend for me. So thank you for the friendship. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, this comes along in 1983. And it's two years after MTV has sort of redefined how popular music is going to live in our lives forever, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's like, probably the thing you can compare it to now is the way TikTok has changed, the way young people absorb culture forever. And like, you know, that might not touch off of us and it might scare us, but it also scared the 30-year-olds in 1981, you know? Um, And like, this being like, a song that very much existed in tandem with the video, with how she looked, with everything about her. And how much of that are you is on your wavelength? Are you do you think about it all? So I think about it in terms of in in terms of sort of what those cultural signifiers have done to the, the songs standing in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Because I think because it's so much, you know, and I I hate this phrase, but you know, of its time. Mm-hmm. Um I think it gets lumped in with a kind of kind of it can only be appreciated in a kind of kitsch, yeah, campy way, mm-hmm. which I'm just like not down with at all. <laughs> like you know, if if you want to engage with art in this kind of like oh, like like in this uh, in a kind of, in a kind of sort of light fun way. I mean that's I mean that's what we that's what we're here. Yeah, we're here to celebrate fun. Yeah, so, so that's all good. But for me, I think the real fun is in is in actually sort of taking 
thing, even things that seem frivolous very seriously mm. and kind of digging into them. So I think that kind of works against it, the fact that it's all so kind of like... The, the, all the accoutrement around the, the, the song, the work, you know, is kind of like all jazzed up hair and sort of... I mean, I can't even... What is she wearing? I don't know. She's wearing like, it's so great. So I love it. I love how this song works with the video of this song. And the fact that this is like Cindy Lauper's, who who's like, you know, got on to do such great things. Like, you know, she's got an Emmy, a Grammy and a Tony. She's only missing the Oscar, which I find so cool. Um, you know, She, you know, wrote Kinky Boots. She's got, you know, True Colors, all this, this amazing activism. She's an amazing diva. Um, but the fact that she launches and she's this like, girl from Queens with a sort of a chubby face and her speaking voice is just so like it's so funny to me like, it's so charming and so lovely and and she looks a bit like the Barbie that's been played with too much and too hard like it's like a Barbie that's been rode hard and put away wet you know it's like those those Barbies that like have had a homemade haircut and it's all just like sticking out from weird yeah. angles and it's got like colour highlighter in the hair that's like that's the thing that Cindy is bringing us and she's wearing this kind of something that's like it's very that Molly Ringwald sort of styling of like wearing an evening dress and leg warmers and a weird hat and the hair is mad kind of thing and it's too many accessories and like it's it Madonna's gonna you know at this point Cindy Lauper is the bigger star than Madonna which is right. weird and Madonna's gonna gonna sweep her and wash her away you it's know market correct yeah Lauper, yeah. yeah but like they're kind of it, what's interesting to me is like there's they've got all this shit on them you know <laughs> like you see <laughs> you see Cindy in um, in the video and she's got all these accessories and bits and clangy jewellery up the arms and all that kind of stuff and it's the same thing with Madonna in those early singles it's just like so much fucking shit on them it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's like a a human buckaroo of just like mm-hmm. stuff on top of them and what that sort of brings to me in a kind of an anthropological way is like the previous iteration of um, pop superstar would have been Debbie Harry um, Diana Ross Donna Summer like all these people who were like very pristine like beautiful you know Debbie Harry was a playboy model you know mm-hmm. like it's um, and this is following straight after that and it's following just coming up with this new sort of art form which is young people music video aesthetics what are we looking at what do we want let's try this on fuck this necklace on her fuck three necklaces on her who cares kind yeah. of thing and it just sort of speaks to like this world that's changed and like pop music has always been a visual thing but it's also always been uh, far more curated than it currently is and this being thing of like it makes me think a lot about like this being the peak of like mole culture and like mm-hmm. this being an era in American history where um, there is no the third spaces, as it were, are being eroded, which is like, you know, like this is full Reaganomics. This is like, yeah. you know, th- there's no place to walk your dog really you need to get into a car to do that you you know it's getting harder and harder to enjoy recreational sports the third space is the mall mm. and at the mall you are a young person and that's the only thing you can do in your town is just be in the mall we've all seen mall rats and what you do in the mall you buy 10,000 bracelets and you know <laughs> three different eyeshadows because you want to spend more time in the mall and like it's like this kind of character is distilling for the first time on screen and I find that so juicy and lovely you know so does that exist kind of is that sort of uh, an integral part of your experience of the song does it or does it sit like beside it like is it kind of is it like a, a an important contextual element for you or does it like i think it does i think because i love movies from that era i think for as a woman and a former girl um, the, <laughs> the who's had some fun um the <laughs> there is like a, a sense where it's like i i um you know I think everyone has their little periods of time that they find themselves very moved by. Like, I'm very moved by the kind of 80s women have real jobs kind of <laughs> the thing of, like, you know, Melanie Griffith and Working Girl and, like, that sort of idea. And that art sits alongside Power suits this. And- Power suits and, like, the idea, the kind of the lie of upward mobility, which, you know, mm. it gets rarer and rarer. And I, I think because I find that time period of women moving... Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe it sort of exists. It does enhance my enjoyment of the art, where it's like, it's it's it's, it's really striving for something. You know, we've had the seventies. We've had a kind of a slightly, I don't know how you would characterize the female voice of the seventies, but like, 
it's definitely it's that third wave feminism, right? That's like a lot of discourse, a lot of Gloria Steinem, mm-hmm. and this kind of sense of like just wanting to have fun and yeah. as much fun as boys do is actually mm-hmm. you don't have to be super serious or super academic or super intellectual or super into sort of like reading Ms. Magazine mm-hmm. um, to for just your that basic desire to be in a sense a feminist right you know yeah so so it is so the song girls just want to have fun is for you a a feminist uh song it's a feminist work. yeah i think it's been yeah sort of it's not the whole reason i enjoy it but like there's definitely been this kind of uh redressing of the song as well of like girls just want to have fundamental rights which i find a little like a little too chronically online for me to find charming but like still like a nice a nice idea um but um the <laughs> the yeah it 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 sits in that place for me i think because it's the the request is so simple mm-hmm. um that it yeah and does the fact that it's i mean obviously adapted from something by written by a man but still quite closely done uh, done that so is it about the context that it's in that makes it a feminist thing or is it inherent in the text? I think, think it's... So I think about this a lot too. So I think it's inherent in the delivery and the... And I bo- I mean that in both the vocal delivery and the, the physical presence that I just kind of explained. Mm-hmm. Um, this... Um, I, I, I think a lot about uh, singers who they're just their job as singer. You know, people who don't write their own music, uh-huh. like, and how that an art itself can just be the using of the instrument kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you? Find, I find that very compelling. I think because I listen to a lot of trad when I'm drunk, right. and that's a lot of people who are singing songs they haven't written, um, but it's still profoundly moving. Even though these songs are 500 years old, and mm-hmm. like that, what the vo- what the vibrato is doing to me, what the echo is doing to me, and I think this, I find it so mysterious because I'm a writer, and yes. therefore all of my everything is in the written word. When like someone is making art without writing a word, that's fascinating to me. I completely agree, and it's a it's a total mystery to me as well. But yeah. it's like absolutely like an, an interpretation of something that can can completely change it. Without without change without well, changing, changing a, a, a yeah. single thing about apart it. from switching genders on one verse yeah yeah exactly and it's like because you get that a lot with folk songs I've I've managed on every podcast I've done with you to, yeah. to bring up Bob Dylan <laughs> right and we just celebrated his um his his uh, we how, how did we celebrate um did you light a candle or something <laughs> I I posted something on Instagram I I listened to two records while I was working and then I rewatched the uh, the first Martin Scorsese documentary. Uh, no direction home mm-hmm. about sort of the early years of uh, of Bob Dylan. Um, so yeah, Bob still going strong, and we're still here for you, buddy. <laughs> keep keep knocking him. And dead. this relates to the subject at hand. Well, right, because um, because he's really my only connection with you know ye olde the, the folk music of old, whether that's mm-hmm. you know House of the Rising Sun or. Um, man of constant sorrow and all of like like the 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 old folk standards, mm. which I don't have any time for mm-hmm. uh, on their own. Really, if anyone else does them, but when they're sort of going through that kind of the sandpaper rasp of a young uh, of a young Bob Dylan, they suddenly mean everything to me mm. because of what he's doing to them and because of what he mean of uh, what he means to me and to the culture. Regardless mm. of the kind, and 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 that kind of reshapes and sort of uh, mutates the, the text of the song, even though if it was written twenty or fifty or a hundred years ago. Mm. So there's something. So absolutely, I think something can become charged with new meaning just because of, the the filter through which it's being pushed. Yeah, completely. And like the, I guess the sort of, the version of this, the folk version of this, of of um, girls just want to have fun for me is. You'll know the song well because you'll know a film that it's featured in, um, but Raglan Road, as sung by Luke Kelly, which is at the end of In Bruges. You know when when you know when um, yes yes, yes. Brendan Gleeson's climbing to the top of the tower. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and like yeah, it's great, great scene, and I'm sure you know the song well because of it. But um, the that is adapted from a poem that was originally written by Patrick Kavanagh, and that poem. I love Patrick Kavanagh, but that poem's garbage. Like, you know, it's like it's like the Queen of Hearts still making tarts, but I'm not making hay. It's it's like quite Sounds like a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, it actually does. But 
um, when you, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's it's difficult to place, and you get okay, it's about somebody who was in love once, and they see the person again, and that love is gone, and whatever. But the lyrics, the words are not inspiring. Um, I forget half of the most of the time, and I've heard it eight thousand times, and yet, I don't know, it's. Just, in tears, Be- yeah. Because of the delivery and because then of the context in which, like, you're, because you're, I assume, even if you knew the song before, you're now viewing it through that very, very powerful <laughs> scene in, in Bruges as well, kind of, right? So it's all, all those little bits become attached to it as, it as it's moving through time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. 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 So it's interesting. Because, of course, for me, um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun is not a song about female empowerment at all, it's mm-hmm. a song about me. <laughs> It's a song about Tom empowerment. Tom just wants to have fun. I just want, I, yeah. It, it's just about. It, it's literally about me every day, just trying a little bit to walk in the sun. Good. Um, and I and I think that's, I think that's just as valid as the movement towards uh, fundamental rights for women. <laughs> yeah. No, I say they're about a par. Yeah. No. You, okay. You well, having fun. Okay, but women we, having rights. Okay. No, they're. Same. But what same. we but what we mean what 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 I mean yeah. <laughs> I, I won't bring you into this is um, is just that I think the art is spacious enough to have mm-hmm. uh, to have a kind of a powerful social meaning and a powerful personal mm. indiv- in, in individual meaning and it's not like and we, and like when it, like the whole idea of literary theory and literary uh, criticism is not that is not to say this work of art is about this. Mm-hmm. It's about to, it's it's all about viewing things from perspectives yeah. and prisms and things like that, mm-hmm. and one and saying one and saying one that this means this through this perspective doesn't negate mm. any other mm. thing. So I can enjoy, I, I feel like I can enjoy this song absolutely fundamentally and fully in a really completely solipsistic <laughs> way, uh, while also being like. And fuck yeah, it's really cool that uh, a lot of gals are, are uh, out are there it. getting jobs. Yeah, <laughs> in their power power suits, in their power suits, and still yeah. having cutting up at the end of the day. You know. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that? Okay, so we've done. Um, we spent you know twenty minutes, half an hour um, deconstructing all of the lyrics. I think we've talked about them all now. Well, about, there aren't actually that many kind yeah. of unique lyrics within the song. But the, but what I'm interested in is, do you think that when we love something and when we have a huge emotional response to it because of how it sounds or where it hits us or even the fact that you and I have been hearing the song our entire lives and so therefore it is probably subconsciously attached to childhood memories that we haven't even thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there is an urge to staple an academic pretext under something to almost like legitimize your love for it like can we not just say that it's weightless and say that we love it anyway um personally i just personally i can't i don't think anything i don't think anything that's good is weightless mm-hmm. uh i don't yeah i just i just don't really believe that it's possible to be i don't think any kind of art can really be candy floss yeah I think I think if it is, then it's kind of throwaway, and it's like kind of it's not even like a chocolate bar because it's like a chocolate wrapper, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. because a chocolate bar at least kind of nourishes you and gives you the energy to go out and do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. The world is, you know, great, cities have been built on chocolate bars, you know. So it's <laughs> like, um, so 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 no, I think I think for something to have value, it has to be. Uh, it has to have the capacity for serious, uh, for serious uh, dissection and analysis, mm-hmm. and I think most things do. Mo- I-, I think most things created honestly and uh, genuinely by humans will. Just so this is this is actually you, you've you've nudged onto a place that that I've been thinking about as you're talking, which is um, we're you know we're we're in the middle of a of the WGA uh, writer strike at the moment which mm-hmm. is the second big writer strike within our lifetime and part of the argument in that writer strike is the uh, re- trying to get protections written into the screenwriters guild that uh, studios will never be able to use ai to produce scripts mm-hmm. it's a huge part of it and and you know like i you, you work in advertising mm-hmm. gavin's a graphic designer there's a there's a shock going through many industries right now of being like Okay, we've all to- toyed around with chat GBT. We've all toyed around with, you know, image sort of creation thingies. Um, 
are the robots coming for our jobs? And I think that like, and like also there's been like albums that have been put out lately that have been partially written by AI as kind of experiments or whatever. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm way too optimistic, but I just think people aren't interested in art that isn't created by people. Because mm. even the most like, quote unquote, throwaway bubblegum pop is still written by a person and they still use the phrase fortunate ones. And when they say it, I kind of know what they mean. And I kind of don't. And the mystery lies between. And could I get that same thing from an, a robot that was algorithmically churning out pop songs based on 1000 pop songs that are plugged into its brain? I don't think th- I don't think that you could. But I think there is a level of discernment that is always going to exist within certain certain stratas of listeners, viewers, etc., but when I think about like what's really popular now, like mm-hmm. the um, a lot of it, I think I think you could make a Fast and Furious movie with AI. And I'm talking specifically about movies here because actually the music thing is a different. It's a kind of different. It, it's a kind of different uh, relationship I think that people mm-hmm. have with uh, pe- people have with music. Um, and certainly, like I think, maybe like page turning, like kind of you, you could probably write like a kind of beach read via AI. You probably could, because there is yeah. stuff that people don't engage with in any kind of, at any kind of emotional level. But I don't think AI will ever be able to recreate an emotional level because you get an uncanny valley thing. You just know, mm-hmm. I think, innately. I think in the same way that we're that we're unconsciously looking to make emotional connections with the art. Mm. We also unconsciously recognise when it's false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And name a piece of ours. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to think of songs right now, and it also brings me back to that that Spice Girls conversation of like, can you can you tell when a guy in his fifties has written a love song for a seventeen year old girl? Like sometimes you can, you know. Um, I think sometimes you can, but also I think it goes back to my whole my whole all my thoughts around girls just want to have fun. <laughs> Every guy, it's all relevant, people. <laughs> every guy in his 50s has also been a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> to some extent or another, right? Or at least enough. There are, un- there are, there are universal experiences of mm-hmm. alienation, of being sort of not quite comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. These are the things that really strike chords. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I might be completely wrong and you can probably, you might be able to give me a list of instances mm-hmm. where this is the case. But generally the things that uh, that, that strike a chord are the, uh, are the things that in, in pop music are the things that are absolutely universal. Mm. Like I can't think of like a sort of time-honoured uh, pop song that everybody loves mm-hmm. that is very specifically... That, that, that can only be read very specifically about being one type of person and one thing, right? Because yeah, it wouldn't, yeah. because you just wouldn't have people responding. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have people responding to it in the way they do, and it wouldn't last as long. If 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 half the population were just sort of sitting there with their arms crossed, like shrugging, not getting it. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. I think I think we understand. We understand what it's like to be human fundamentally, first of all, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is kind of are layers of detail. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that we understand pop music as being, I think there's a, a lens with which we could view mainstream pop music, like songs like this, or Spice Girls or Madonna or whatever, as being like, these were things that were created for a youth culture um, and sort of farmed in studios for very young people, sometimes even children, to buy into and then get the merchandise in and all of that. And I think because of that, we often mistake pop music or historically we've mistaken pop music as a game we play with children to get their money you know mm-hmm. I think that's been the, the kind of view on it for many years and therefore artless and therefore weightless and, and obviously this is one of many podcasts and things out to correct that um, but like what you forget is that like that's that that even that music that's been designed to get money off of children still plays in the background of adult life all the time it has to be it has to be there for everybody you know yeah has to be there for radio. Has to be there for everything, you know. Well, and and also things. And we've talked about this on on previous podcasts, in fact. Mm. But um, no matter what the original intent, so if the intent and the sort of the driving purpose of of of, of something that's put out into the world is just to make a quick buck, mm-hmm. once it hits the world though, and it kind of ox- oxidizes, yeah, with, with with everything outside there, it changes again, and so it's. N- and so it's not, it's like those, it's like you're saying, it's like hearing it in the background of your childhood, it then becomes, uh, it then becomes something that captures a time and a place and therefore it's imbued with new meaning. 
And if enough people, if it's a popular enough and it's hearing it everywhere, then it becomes imbued with a kind of universal meaning yeah. that, it wouldn't, that everyone now shares because it was that time and place in 1983 and it was that jacket and that thing and what that meant to us as a culture. Yeah, us, everyone. Us, yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so, yeah, th- that's why I say um, no matter how frivolous something seems, I think it is actually, there is no such thing. Yeah, as a kind yeah. of uh, as as kind of a, a frivolous, meaningless piece of art, by nature of it existing in a world that is serious. Thank you for distilling the entire point of this podcast very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like a very like metatextual conversation to be having. <laughs> I love it because I've never we've never done an episode before where we just talk about a song, and um, a couple of people have pitched it over the years, but I'm always like, it's often people I've never spoken to before, and I'm like, I just don't know if you have three minutes of. An hour, one hour, about three minutes in you, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, who like? What do you think the fortunate ones is about? So, so the line is, uh, um, what? Well, oh, mother dear, we're not the fortunate ones. Yeah, we're not the fortunate ones. Yeah. Okay, so, so it could mean well, obviously, so it could mean we women you and mm-hmm. i it's, so maybe it's about it's about uh, reaching out reaching an arm across the aisle almost <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't don't come at me because we're in this together yeah we women aren't the fortunate ones or it could be a generational thing where it's yeah. like you know because it's a kind of like like boomer versus uh gen, gen, X, gen yeah. x thing where it's like you're the fortunate ones but we're not so we're gonna have fun bitch <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> or there will be a third one. Let's work it out. Or okay, the third or the third one, which is that um, which I think might have been the in- the original intention of the hazard guy, um, which is your parents lecturing you about the state of marriage kind of thing. Because like, okay, you guys, all right, you guys found each other, fine. It- Good for you. Like that's not. Yeah. I'm not so quote unquote lucky kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, like you've got it all worked out. That's good. You're you're one of the fortunate ones. Yeah. But me, I mean, I've just got to. Yeah, I'm a freak. Yeah. <laughs> and that's again why I love that video so much. It's just she's a freak, man. Like <laughs> everything about it. Like her her dad's a wrestler, and she like it's in a headlock at some point. It's so good, you know. I just. Yeah, the whole thing exists in a, of a piece for me. But, but yeah, I, do you think we've gotten to the it, what the um, I, maybe we have the, the just the emotions I feel when I hear it. I'm really glad that we're getting to the bottom of this. So, so it's interesting those two lines, which are the two kind of I think the the two kind of central lines of the piece, and they both land in the same point of each verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse so verse one is a oh, mother dear, we're not the fortunate ones. And the verse two is, "I want to be the one to walk in the sun." Yeah. And of course, they're 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 related. Uh, they're related, right? Because if you're not the for, uh, the the fortunate one, then you can sort of you can uh, extrapolate from that that you're you're in some way put upon or mm. restricted, mm-hmm. or you feel hemmed in, or you feel suppressed in some kind of way. Uh, and so to just for uh, and so for, to have your your only desire. And your and and the thing that drives you keep that keeps you going that keeps you going out you know until the morning light mm-hmm. or taking phone calls in the middle of the night mm-hmm. uh, is to just have that moment where the clouds part and the sun shines on you and you can just walk freely and strut your stuff in your big denim uh, coat in it. Mm. I think it's humble enough to be incredibly powerful. It's a, what a yeah. what a humble dream, yeah. you know. It is. It's humble enough to be very powerful. You're totally right. Yeah. Do you and you have no interest in anything else that Cindy Lauper has anything to do with? Um, I like that song "Time After Time," but you know what? I do have a kind of kitschy relationship with that one. Why? It just it seems kind of. Oh, I love it. It seems kind of that, funny to see, me. I, I, I've no, never I do like in a it, place actually. where I hear. I think because I think it, so much of the power is the vocals, where it's like I'm never in a place where I hear a Cindy Lauper song and I'm not sort of like a bit. Sort of struck a bit, you the, know. There's the there's a kind of there's a fragility to it. It's, yeah, it's like it's like thin but strong. It's almost like yeah. fragile, but yeah, fragile. Yeah, it's like fragile but brittle but strong. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't I don't quite know how she's managed it. And, and True Colors is obviously the kind of the third of the all the big hits. And there's it's there's a there's a morning. It's like it's like a, a 
buoyancy in spite of grief, I think, is what her vocal register feels like to That's me. Nice. You know? Like... Why does like the line the second hand on wines just like wreck me? Like why? That's <laughs> said yeah, yeah, and like that I think that's just my relationship with this this woman. It's just you mean nothing to me and yet everything to me. I've not given your huge body of work and your many feats of activism and whatever the time of day and maybe I won't ever, but when you get me girl, you really get me, you know? <laughs> um I realized this morning um, when I was first introduced to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, mm. uh, f- yeah, for the, for, for the first time, like the origin, my origin story of that. Shall I tell you yeah, it? Please. Uh, I downloaded a whole bunch of MP3s off LimeWire by the artist <clears throat> Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and, w- and you had never heard Girls Just Want to Have Fun prior I'd to I probably this. heard it in some way, yeah, but yeah. never. And one of his songs, one of the songs that was there was a spoof of Girls Just Want to Have Fun called... Girls just want to have lunch. <laughs> um, How does that go? It's basically the same. So- well, the thing is, it's like of all of the spoofs of his that I've heard, and I'm not a, a yeah. an ardent fan. Um, <laughs> just by that, you downloaded quite a few MP3s illegally. I found. Oh, I mean, I was like, you know, twelve. You whatever. risked the wrath of Metallica to, to get <laughs> Weird Al's music, so I think you are a big fan. I found girls just want to have lunch to be. In my now experience, in my experience now, broadly true, mm. but uh, basically redundant because I think lunch is implicit within fun. <laughs> lunch uh, is implicit. We're you, about to get lunch in a minute. You can't have fun without lunch. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk about Weird Al someday because, like, what was going on there? God knows. But I mean, it was. In a world without sort of YouTube and Instagram and meme culture, yeah, imagine he was having the memer. Imagine having, imagine just being memes. Like he was just memes. That's <laughs> what it was. He was just memes. <laughs> it's like, like yeah, Amish Paradise is like it's like that's that 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 song went for years and years and years, and today that would be six hours on Twitter. Like, he's like I, he was an industry unto himself. Yeah. Or, he was just born too soon, or no, or no, no, born just at the right time. He wouldn't yeah. have lived in a in a in a. It just meme wouldn't have happened because you know, he right. was he was our memes. He yeah, was yeah. Analog meme. <laughs> <laughs> He's proto meme. He was the proto meme. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm glad that we've I'm glad that we've got to that. Um, I'm really hungry now. I think we've run out of things to say anyway. Yeah. But do you have more? Uh, no, I think I basically said everything that I that I that I wanted to say. But um, I assume we can do Girls Just Want to Have Fun Part 2 if, if anything else comes up. Um, well, I've really enjoyed this. That's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.